Amen. Jesus changes everything, right? Amen. So, hey, listen, we're, uh, we're in this season of talking about the resurrection of Jesus as we move toward Easter, and we're celebrating life change like you heard in, uh, in Trista's story. And, and I just want to share two numbers with you and have you to celebrate wherever you're watching from, whether you're in one of our six physical locations or watching online. The numbers are 42 and 90. 42 young people at Disciple Now indicated they were giving their life to Jesus Christ for the first time. 42. Yeah. And 90 said, hey, uh, I want to get baptized. I want to go public and give my, uh, my public testimony, my public s- symbol that, hey, I belong to Christ. So, hey, God's moving, and we're praying, and God's moving, and we're praying, and God's moving. So what a great time. What a great time to be a part of the kingdom of God, the family of God, the people of God. And, and so we're going to start today a new series leading up to uh, the Easter season. And, and I'm excited about this series. I, I think it's needed in the American church. I think it's needed in my soul, my heart. You know, I prepare sermons a couple of weeks in advance, so I'm kind of processing, repenting, and thinking through all this stuff a little bit before I get to share it with you. So I'm excited. I want to ask you to join with me, all locations and online, in prayer. God, we need your help. God, we need your help to see what you're going to say. Uh, and so, Lord, just open our eyes, open our hearts, open our ears just to hear from you. God, get me out of the way, and Lord, uh, just meet us where we are and uh, take us, God, to that place of promise. In your name we pray. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen and amen. So I want to ask a question, not a trick question. What do you think is the most frequent type of command mentioned in the Bible? And, and listen, I, I know a lot of us, some of you are new to church, coming for the first time, new back to church, and, and even Christians, it's easy to grow up and, and think, hey, the commands that we find most in the Bible are, are not, or no, or thou shalt not, or do not, and that God is the God of no. And, and some of you, you know, oh, I know God says a lot about money, or, or God says a lot about not being afraid, but if you really package them all under in a, in a heading or in a category, do you know, and this is more than anything else, and it's either indirectly or directly, in Scripture, in the Bible, God commands us to be happy. Randy Alcorn writes a book on this subject, and, and he found over 2,700 references to happiness, uh, joy, celebration, exaltation, rejoice, over 2,700. Then if you add the words bless, blessing to it, it just spikes up even more. And that's like a shock for many of us. Because for many of us, we're like, I I didn't think that God was after our our, our happiness. I thought he was maybe after our conformity or after this kind of bludgeoning, yielded surrender. Some of you aren't yet Christians because what you're faced with is follow God and maybe I'll be less happy than I am today. It wasn't really the first temptation that Adam and Eve faced was, hey, if you go apart from God, you can be happier than if you stay with God. And yet in Scripture, the most direct, indirect command he gives to us is, hey, I want you to be happy. Now, let me pause because I know some of you are in tough seasons. You're in tough times financially or medically. Some of you are hanging on in your marriages or hanging on in a relationship. And so I don't want to ever appear insensitive or lacking compassion or lacking empathy. But what I do want to say, based on not my opinion, but on the authority of the Word of God, is happiness, joy, peace, positivity, however you want to categorize it, is possible even in the midst of difficulty. 
even in the midst of difficulty. So don't take my word for it. Let's take God's word for it. Our hearts ache. Our hearts hurt. Some of you are in that position, but we, are all, we always have joy. We are poor, but we have, have, give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, and yet we have everything. And so this is the direction that we're working. And so let's, let's look at it for just a second this way, okay? So here, here I have a glass, and you can think about, are, are you a glass half full person, or are you a glass half empty person? And I think for most of us, whichever way you, you fall on that spectrum, it's really been hard lately to be positive about anything. It's been really hard to think of anything as half full. It feels like we've just been in an empty season, a dry season. And so for a lot of us, me saying happiness and joy and positivity kind of feels like, uh, I'm not sure about that. But, and I want us to understand what's going on, though, in our culture, because we really live, I think, in what I'll call the normality of negativity. If you watch a 30-minute segment of the news, how much half-full stuff do you get? You come away from that thinking, man, the world is just going to hell, right? Or you come away from that thinking the world is out of control. Uh, you listen to leaders today. And leaders today are not, and I, this, is, this is our political leaders, both sides. This is leadership across the spectrum. Leaders today are appealing to our negativity and our anger and our frustrations and our fears. And the church has fallen into that. The, the message of the church online and out in the mainstream, if you ask most people, hey, do you think Christians are positive, hopeful, happy people? Most non-Christians will say no. They're alarmists, they're conspiracy theorists, and they're pretty negative. They're, they're like no people. And, and I think that our, our reputation with those outside the church doesn't match what the scriptures say, that we ought to be, definitely ought to be half full people. You know, I, I love, I love the United States of America. I, got, I had two uncles who were prisoners of war. I have a brother who's serving overseas as we speak. I, I was in the military. I, I love this country. And one of the people that helped me love America was President Reagan. And, and I, I'm not going to talk about his policies. I'm not going to put him on a pedestal and act like he was a perfect president, perfect leader, but I'm not going to be cancel culture either. In his farewell speech, he made this statement. And I remember it. And he gave it in 1989. He said this, I hope when history is written about me, it will say that I appealed to your best hopes, not your worst fears. Now, you think about who's appealing to you right now, spiritually, politically, economically, social media. What are they appealing to? Your fear, because fear sells. And we all have this natural, maybe, the, maybe this is really half empty. Maybe this re is really half empty. However, comma, we as Christ followers always have more to be happy about than we do to be mad about or frustrated about. So what we're going to talk about in the next several weeks is let's, let's understand we should be half full people. Let's understand we should be the happiest people on God's green earth. And what we think, what we offer to the world is a different source, different form, and a longer lasting view of happiness and hope and joy. And so we're going to work on this together because it's sort of been lost, right? I mean, I think there's people out here right now listening to me, and you're like, I don't know how to be happy. 
I know how to forget my misery and be happy for 10 minutes or be happy as long as the movie lasts or be happy as long as I'm watching that Netflix series that just kind of makes me forget about everything. I know how to be happy as long as I've had a few glasses of wine, but I don't know how to be happy in a way that lasts fair. So let's work on it together. First thing we need to understand, this is probably one of the most powerful concepts in Scripture. I find it in Nehemiah 8.10. He says this, don't grieve because the joy of the Lord is your strength. The people of God were grieving because they had violated the commands of God, but they come to a place of renewal and repentance, and God speaks to them and says, hey, listen, don't get upset. Don't mad. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You know what this means? It means God is happy. See, some of us grew up, you grew up, and you thought and you were taught that God was mad. You, I mean, and so God was mad and he was mad at you or he was mad at them. This scripture tells us there is a happiness in God and God is incredibly happy and he wants us, invites us, calls us, died for us to share in his happiness. And, and how, has the, the, uh, how has a God who is eternally and forever happy, how has that been hijacked by a church that seems forever frustrated and, for, and, and negative? Listen to Jesus' take on this. Here's how Jesus said it. So we got Old Testament and New Testament. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. He's saying, hey, I'm the happiest person that's ever been alive, and I am offering you my joy. So, so here's the assertion of the series, and I'm just setting some things up just to get us rolling here. The assertion of this is we can be happy, hopeful, joyful, or blessed people in a broken world and with experiences of brokenness. So yes, we live in a broken world. Yes, there's not a single person listening to me that has not dealt with or is not dealing with or will not deal with a period of brokenness. But in spite of all that, God's happiness will transcend, transplant, and exceed all that, and we can be happy people. We can be people who are walking around with half full, and, 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 and it impacts us, and it impacts our witness, and it's what people need. So listen to how Paul would say this. Listen to how Paul would say this. So we have Old Testament, Nehemiah, New Testament, the words of Christ, and now here's what the Apostle Paul says. He says, praise to God, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing in the heaven and realms because we have been united with Christ. So if we're united with Christ who is God and God is happy and Christ has joy and the joy of the Lord will be our strength, we're connected to that. So we have this capacity to be happy that's transcendent. We have this capacity to be happy that can't be taken away. Now, that, that's a positive message. That's the message everybody you lock eyes with is on some kind of happiness quest. Everybody, 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 how they're pursuing it looks different, but everybody's on it. And Christ's followers, the message of the church, the message of God, the most frequent command in scripture has to do with what? What everybody's searching for. All right, so here's the question. Here's the million dollar question. I, I, know, you're, I know you're thinking it. All right, tell me how. <laughs> tell me how. Because I, here's what I know. How's been a struggle for all of us. Haven't you pursued happiness from something that later made you miserable? Couldn't we share those stories? I mean, we could all, we could, hey, I thought this would make me happy. And you know what it did for a few Friday nights? You know what it did for about six months? 
You know what it did for many, many years? And then the bottom fell out. And then they went away. And then they broke up with me. And then the economy shifted. And then, and then, and then. And so how you pursued happiness eventually made you miserable. So I know there's skeptics. I know there's skeptics. In, in fact, even the fact that I'm talking about positivity and happiness, some of you are already suspicious. Why? Because we do not live in a world that's going to look at this as half full. We look at a world that says half empty. And anybody that tells you otherwise, you better be suspicious of what they're selling. Because we've all tried to drink that before, right? And it just didn't work out eventually. All right, so how? Let's work on it. We're going to work on it by getting into one of the Psalms of David. Psalm 103 is where we're going to hang out together uh, this weekend. So Psalm 103, we're going to look at David talk to himself, preach to himself, sing to himself, and talk about his happiness. Here's what he says. He says, my soul. So the first thing I want us to understand is when we talk about happiness in Scripture, we are talking about deep happiness. We are talking not about superficial happiness. We are talking about a deep, abiding, impact-your-soul happiness. So many people are, 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 are pursuing superficial sources of happiness, like, did my team win the game? Like, did we get the job done or not? But David is like, no, no, we're at the soul level. That's deep. That's abiding, okay? So he says, my soul. And then he hears the phrase, bless the Lord. My soul, recognize God as source, recognize God as giver. My soul, bless the Lord and all that is within me. So this is not superficial happiness. This is not the kind of happiness that, hey, did you like the movie? Oh yeah, it made me smile. This is not the kind of happiness you get when you know that song comes on the radio that reminds you of, of your homecoming dance or reminds you of your first kiss with your wife. This is deep happiness. All that is within me, all encompassing, all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless his holy name. And holy means other. So God, as a source of happiness, is going to be different than the kind of happiness that's out there in the world. So bless his holy name. He goes back again. He says, my soul, bless the Lord. And then he tells us where the front lines, the battle lines are for happiness. He says, do not forget all his benefits. So David is concerned that he's going to forget all the blessings he has from God, from the Lord, from his holy name. So he tells us indirectly that, hey, the battle for happiness actually begins up here in our minds. Doesn't begin out there, begins up here. It begins what we're thinking on, what we're focused on. And so what David is doing is so insightful and so powerful because nobody would say that David had an easy life. Civil war, murder, death, betrayal. I mean, nobody would say David has an easy, has an easy life. But what we would say is this, David learned how to be happy in God. So let's, 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 let's move forward in this and, and kind of embrace a couple of concepts. The first thing is this. this. This passage tells me one thing. We can't be passive or fatalistic. We're not supposed to be victims. We're not just wandering around like hoping to be happy. We're not wandering around like, I hope the movie's good. I hope the weather's good because if the weather's good, the movie's good, I'll be good. We're not like that. We're, we're, we're not like that. 
We're not passive. We're not fatalistic. We are saying to ourselves, we are focusing our thoughts. We are thinking and, and, and mentally engaging on, on this concept of happiness. And so here, here's, the, here's the progression we're going to take. We're going to take three big steps toward this concept of getting to half full. First one is this. It starts with mental concentration over earthly conditions. Mental focus, do not forget his benefits, over earthly conditions. So, so here, here's what this looks like, all right? So if, if this glass represents us, and hey, how you doing? Are you half empty or are you half full? We ask that question. How you doing all the time? We ask that question. So here, here's what he's saying. There, if I am always focused on what's going on in the world, your world or the big world, right? What's the, what, there's going to be days we're half full. There's going to be a lot of days where we're half empty. And what has happened to us over the course of the last year, as we've listened and, and taken in and absorbed and mentally focused on the normality of negativity, is that's why most of us are, are kind of just walking around edgy, frustrated, angry, hopeless, helpless. Because what are we focusing on? What are we looking at? I mean, I had someone the other day say, hey, I stopped watching Fox News so much and I'm a lot happier. Exactly. 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 Because here's what, here's what you have to understand. Your mind, this is the way your mind works. My mind works too. Your mind gives significance to something in proportion to the attention it gives that something. So if my mind is fixated here, if my mind is fixated here, then what's, what's David saying? If my mind is fixated on, on tough stuff, I'm going to forget the benefits of bless the Lord, oh, my soul, all that was in me, bless his holy name. I'm going to forget his benefits. So, so David is, is, is telling us, hey, what's going on in our mind? So if this is what I'm looking at, you know, it's going to be tough. So let, let's take this. You go to the grocery store. And you look at the magazines, right? Or you look at somebody's social media account. And, and what happens? You start thinking, man, man, I wish I looked like that. Man, I wish I had that kind of family, that kind of marriage. I mean, you're, you're comparing your whole life to someone else's highlight reel of a five-second shot, right? And, and so you look at this and you look at yourself and you're like, oh, half empty today. But again, it's where your mind is focused, where your mind is concentrated, and where your mind is going. And so half empty, half full. Well, the world looks terrible. Next to them, I'm doing terrible. What are we, what are we at? Normality of negativity. That's where we're at. That's what we're doing. That's how we're talking about ourselves. That's where our mental focus and our mental concentration is, okay? Now, let's just do it another way. Let's, let's, let's do this. Let's make everybody hungry and all that kind of stuff. So let's just type, pull some candy out. All right? Now, candy makes most people happy, at least for a moment. So he, he, a lot of us, it's like, well, hey, I'm good. But here's what we know. This stuff goes away. This stuff makes you feel good for a moment, right? And, and, and so if, if you're happy because, yeah, I've got this, I've got money in the bank or my health is good, money can go away and health can go away. And then you go back to what? Half empty. And isn't that the tension we're feeling? And so what happened when a pandemic come along, comes along and threatens this, and, and the world doesn't look like it's doing so well, and then, you know, well, gosh, those people look like they're doing okay. What's up wrong with me? So you put all that together. Is it any wonder that we're evangelists of not good news, but of negativity? And, and, and does anybody want to be a Christian? 
Well, if they're, if they're just as half empty as I am, I, maybe we just all don't know what's going to And then David says this, but I'm not going to forget his benefits. So here's what David says. Let's do this. Let's pull this out. Where God g- died to give us all these benefits, where God's love was most on display, where our hope is born because he came off the cross, went into the empty tomb, and came back to life. And so David now is saying, okay, yeah, my world may not be great. My day may not be great. Uh, this may be scarce, you know, but he's, he's now seeing what? What he has in Christ. Forget not his benefits. So, so the power in this is that David is not seeking happiness through deception or comparison or distraction, but he's seeking it with the right concentration. It's not even denial. It's not happiness through denial. It's just he's giving preeminence and prominence to the blessings of being one of God's people. Now, he keeps going. So then he talks about sin. And, and look at all these verbs he gives us. He forgives God all your inequity. What's he focused on? He's focused on God. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with faithful love and compassion. He satisfies you with good things. Your youth is renewed like the eagle. All of those things God gives. He goes on. He says, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love. He will not always accuse us or be angry forever. He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve or repaid us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his faithful love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Now, what's he doing? He's just rehearsing, reminding himself of all that he has in Christ. And the reason some of us are not doing well or we're half empty is we just haven't stopped and started thinking about who God is and what God has done. And our concentration, we've allowed the world to crowd out the cross. This is where we have to kind of go through some tough conversations and, and and do some surgery in order to get to where God wants to take us. So not only is it mental concentration over earthly conditions, but the other thing it is, is it's roots over fruits. Now, here's what I mean by that. There's not a single person in here that doesn't want to be happy. I know that about you. I know that about me. I know it about my kids. I know it about everybody that listen. Everybody wants to be happy. And most people want the fruits of happiness without dealing with the roots. And so what happens is, hey, I want to be happy. Let me just, I'm going to level with you. Sin will make you happy for a season. Idolatry will make you happy for a season. Pursuing things of the world will make you happy for a moment. Trying to be People Magazine, something you can pursue. And, oh, yeah, I look better today. Oh, I look more like, let me go wait for a season, right? Pursuing the candies of the world, money, materialism, what people think about me. I'm not going to deny it. It'll make you happy. But the roots are not stable. So the first time a storm comes, the first time any of that stuff is threatened, endangered, or blocked, what happens? Your happiness goes on the... Your happiness suddenly is vulnerable. And then you're what? You're back to being afraid. You're back to being anxious. You're back to being concerned. And what's God saying over 2,700 times in Scripture? I want you to be happy. 
but our mental concentration has gone to the fruit and we're not paying attention to the root. So all those times where David is talking about dealing with sin and dealing with sin, what, what he's saying is, look, the right way to be happy is deal with the roots that ultimately cause pain, consequence, and unhappiness. And so we have to talk about sin. And we have to talk about it in the language of, it's, most of us are like, well, if I, if I follow God, right, that sin makes me happy. Do I give up the sin? Do I pursue God? What do we do? And David is saying, look, 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 the path to happiness deal, is dealing with our sins. And God has done that on the cross. And then that enables us to experience God's best. So let's look at it this way. Let me, let's look at it this way. God did not die to save us from sadness, but rather from sin. God did not die to save us from sadness, but to save us from sin. Because when sin is dealt with, it opens up the soul, my soul, right? Bless the Lord, oh, my soul. It opens up the soul to receive the happiness of God and the joy of God. So most of us are like, want to start with sadness. God, I just want to be happy. God, I just want to be happy. And you get frustrated because God's like, no, no, but first we got to deal with that. No, 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 but I think that makes me happy, God. No, I need to hold on to that. No, no, no. First, we got to deal with that. Say this a couple other ways. God does not only have a wonderful plan for our lives. He is our life. A lot of people follow God because, oh, God's got a plan for me. And then when pandemics and other people and recessions and what they said about you and cancer threatens the wonderful plan, then what do you got? Then you're, like, you're mad at God, right? But what God does is says, no, 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 I want to be your life. And when I'm your life, you'll be walking in my plan and I'll guide you and direct you. So there's a, just a different order to this. So we say it this way. Happiness can never be our first goal, top priority or our primary pursuit. Happiness is a byproduct of. See, the reason we're lured to the world is because we think if we, do the, if we follow the world, the world will make us happy. The, the reason we're like, oh, man, if I only looked like that, married like that, or had that, I'd be happy. That's why this magazine sells, right? That's why, you know, money sells and, hey, all the candies of the world. If I had those things, I would be happy. And then when those things are threatened, that's when we have problems. That's when we're danger. That's when our happiness is in danger. And so what we really have to look at is this. There's just two paths or two sources or two things for getting to half full versus half empty. And I'll phrase the question this way. There is a what is or what has happened happiness, or there's a who is God happiness. And the world trains us to this way. Hey, what happened today? Hey, I made some money. I'm happy. Hey, how's your world today? Well, not good. Not happy. David goes back and says, no, no, no. We're going to take all this stuff off the table. Take it all off. Who is God? And that's the source of happiness. Because God's forever happy. See, think about who God is to you. I just put down four words, okay? We talk about God as creator, savior, and Lord. Here's the problem with all three of those. Hold, me, hold my thought. A lot of people, oh, yeah, God's a creator. I, I can't imagine nothing, no, something out of nothing God created. But that doesn't necessarily mean he's close or he's imminent. He could have like made the guy that made the watch. I don't know who the guy is. It's just a watch works. God made creation, creation works. But then we take it a step further. God is Savior. 
And, and a lot of people who think of Jesus as their Savior think of the Savior like the fireman or the policeman that saved you, but you don't really know him. I mean, thank you for doing and, and then you move on. Back to your life, doing what you want to do. They saved you, right? And even Jesus is Lord. Well, I mean, some lords can be dictators, and some lords can be evil, and, and some lords can be tyrants. And so all of those are insufficient. But what emerges in Psalm 103 and comes back over and over again in, in Scripture is that Jesus, God, is a prize and a treasure, that God is his own reward. And it presents Christianity in a different light. We're just not talking about believing in God. We're talking about cherishing God. And there's a difference. See, there's a lot of people who say, oh, I'm a believer. But here's my question. Are you a cherisher? Are you a prizer where you prize Christ rightly and highly and forget not his benefits for who he is and for what he's done? See, there, there's a life equation I talk about every now and then here at Rockbridge, and it's this. Jesus plus nothing or something equals everything. What Scripture presents and what we struggle to believe is that Jesus plus nothing is everything. Now, for most of us, there's a something. And we really want God to help us with that something. Because that'll make us full. That'll make us satisfied. That'll make us joyful. Then I'll say it's half full, Matt. But when something gets threatened or something goes away, hey, how are you doing? Terrible. Not good. And God might be asking us to let go of something so we can truly know Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And our witness and our happiness depends upon this very fact. Look at how Paul says it, okay? He says it this way. He says, everything that was a gain to me, something, I have considered to be a loss, nothing, because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. What's he saying? I am so concentrated on fixated on, enamored with. I cherish so much who Christ is, what Christ did, what he's given me. That's what has value in my life. That's what I prize. The world has no power over me. I have joy. I'm half full or more. Listen to how David finishes up. He says, from eternity to eternity, the Lord's faithful love is toward those who fear him. Can you imagine being happy forever? Can you imagine a happiness that's bigger than, hey, I had a good weekend? Can you imagine a happiness that lasts longer than the buzz you got from having a few beers with the, with the guys? Can you imagine a happiness that's more secure, more stable than what the stock market's doing right now? Can you imagine a happiness that's not contingent on your team winning the Super Bowl or your guy winning the White House? That's what he's offering what he's teaching and his righteousness toward the grandchildren of those who keep his covenant who remember to observe his precepts bless the lord there he is again all his works in the places where he rules my soul bless the lord 
And here's where he's going with this. So we've said our focus has to be right, right? We've said our focus has to be on the benefits, the blessings of God and what he's provided. We've got to be willing to deal with roots first, not just fruits, the roots that source happiness or the roots that source ultimate misery. Deal with that. And then we receive the fruit of happiness. And then we have to get to this point where we focus on what's transcendent or lasting or eternal or surpassing value, right? Over what's temporary. See, part of the problem is this. Part of the problem is this. We will let a temporary truth surpass the transcendent truth of Jesus Christ. The temporary truth is today was a rough day. But does that overtake the fact that Jesus and and his benefits will bless and sustain that Jesus plus nothing equals everything? And what happens is is we'll take a temporary truth, a bad year, a bad day, a bad diagnosis, a bad economic report, a bad bottom line, a bad social media post, a criticism, uh, a bad health report. We'll let a a temporary truth overtake our soul, overtake our joy, and suddenly we go to half empty. And what did Paul say? The surpassing value of knowing Christ my Lord, the surpassing value, the transcendent value, the enduring value of who Jesus Christ is. So he's half full. So three things, focus, concentration, root of happiness, Christ, and the transcendent truth. So here's how this looks in practice. Here's how this looks in practice. Let's be very practical, okay? What about bad news in the world? What about bad news in the world? All right, so what's, so no denying it, the world's broken. No denying it, there's evil in the world. No denying it. Some days it's up, some days it's down. I want you to have a happiness that's bigger, that's longer lasting than how the world's going or how your world's going. So what does the word of God say? The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart from generation to generation. So I start thinking about that. I'm like, okay, if God is good, and I know God is good because he died for me and he, he, the resurrection happened. So I know God has a plan. And even when bad things happen, God can bring good from them. And so I begin to let the transcendent truth of God overtake the temporary truth that the world today is not good because God's plans stand forever. God's counsel will will come through. Okay, let's go another one. What about, Matt, things that are wrong and unjust? Well, as Christians, we're called to stand up and stand out for those things. But let's put it in this perspective. Here's what Paul says. My ambition has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard. So it's not good that some people have not yet to hear about Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And my ambition, so I have a holy ambition. It's not right that people don't know about Christ because everybody wants to be happy, right? And they can be happy forever in Christ. By the will, and then he closes this when he says, by the will of God, I will also come to you with a joyful heart. So what that means is Christ followers, we have holy ambitions, but we maintain holy affections. So we're bothered by abortion. We're bothered by racism and systemic racism. We're bothered by lostness. We're bothered by extreme poverty. We're bothered by the fact that uh, there's a foster care crisis in many of our communities where kids need loving homes or loving families. We know we need to take care of the orphan. We're bothered by sin in the world. We're bothered by places that don't know the love of God. So we have holy ambitions and we live sent into those areas as God equips us and calls us and positions us, right? But we maintain holy affections. So we can't go out on a holy mission 
in frustration or fear or anxiety or anger. Because we go out on a holy mission because we have this abiding joy from God. So that a hurting, watching world's like, hey, what do you have that I don't have? I have Christ. And Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Everything. Okay, Matt, what about when I get an earthly blessing? See, here's the danger when you get blessed an earthly blessing, money, recognition, title, promotion, new car, new house, bigger car, better house, whatever. Whenever you get blessed, it's a danger because you can shift your attention off the giver, off the blesser, onto the blessing. And then the blesser counts more in your soul than the, than the I mean, the blessing counts more in your soul than the blesser. So how do you manage that tension? Look what Timothy tells his folks. Godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out. Temporary versus transcendent. If we have food and clothing, we'll be content with these. And then Paul comes back, similar thought in 2 Corinthians, and he says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So no worldly gift will ever overtake the indescribable gift of Jesus Christ crucified, buried, and raised. And some of us are like, okay, I'm going to keep going. Okay, Matt, but what about my past? I'm haunted by my past. And your past outweighs your future. You're fixated on your past and your past isn't pretty. And so you always have this mm, nagging guilt or regret. And that interferes with your hope and your joy, your positivity, your happiness. So what about my past? Paul had a past. Paul was a killer. Paul was a terrorist to the church. Then he wrote half the Bible, half the New Testament. Look what he says, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. What is ahead? I pursue as my goal, the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. See, when, if you write something like that, Jesus is more than a savior. Jesus is more than a person you believe in just as some historical figure like you believe in Abraham Lincoln. Jesus is, when you, when you write something like that, Jesus is more than just Lord or God. He's a prize. He's a treasure. And you always, always pursue what you prize the most. So here's my question. If we're going to be half full people, and that's our birthright as Christ followers, and it ought to be our birthmark as well. We ought to be known for our hope, our joy, and our positivity. Here's the question. Part one, half full. We've got a lot more work to do, but here's the question. Do we prize God enough to pursue him? I didn't ask you if you believed in him. Do you prize him? Do you prize him? Share with you a great story of when some people became Christians. And I really believe there's some people that need to become a Christ follower right now. I'm going to share this story. It's when Jesus called his first, some of his first followers. They're out fishing all night. Out fishing all night, catch nothing. Jesus is giving a sermon on a boat. So when he finished speaking, he says to Simon, he says, hey, put out in the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. And he says, master, we've worked hard all night and caught nothing. It's not a good day. I'm not doing well. I'm tired. I want to go home. It's half empty day. Half empty day. You've been there. I've been there. But he says, okay, if you say so, I'll let down the nets. 
And when they did this, they caught a great number of fish and their nets began to tear. That'd be cool if it just stopped right there. And a lot of preachers stop right there. They talk about being rich and healthy in this world, right? If you, get, if you do this with God, God will bless you in this world. That's what a lot of preachers do. You can find them on TV. You can find them online. They're not for your happiness, though. Your unshakable eternal happiness. They're not for it. And, and, and we'd be leaving out ultimate happiness. If, we, if the Bible ended right, if the story ended right there, we'd be leaving it out. It doesn't end right there. It's not a story about fish. It's not a story about earthly possessions. A lot of fish equals a lot of money, right? It's not a story, not a story about that. They brought the boats to land, left everything, and followed him. Hey, man, I thought this was about fish. Because if I had more fish, I'd be happier. Jesus plus something equals everything. No, 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 no. It's the story about Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Do we prize him enough to pursue him? Maybe today is your day. Move past believing in. Move to prizing him. And with every breath and every step forward from this moment on, you're going to pursue the one you prize. Let me pray with us. Holy Spirit, we just need your help for just a second, God. I pray right now just you get our eyes off our day. You get our eyes off our fear. You get our eyes off our bad marriage. You get our eyes off what we heard on the news. You get our eyes off politics. You get our eyes off what that guy said about me. You get our eyes off Facebook. You get our eyes off TV. And God, right now, would you put our eyes on Jesus Christ? Creator, Savior, Lord, prize, and treasure. Lord, I want to invite people to be saved right now, to become followers of Jesus right now. Anybody saying yes to Christ right now, please let someone know. God, I also want to invite the forgetters, those of us who have just forgotten how special you are, how worthy you are, how incredible you are. God, that we would remember and we'd refocus. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. And forget not all his benefits. God, may we walk out of here today a little bit happier than when we walked in. Not because anything in our world has changed, but because our view of you has changed. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.